You're listening to Once, episode 159, Whiteout. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron J. And we're so happy to have you listening and discussing this with us. You sent us some great feedback for this episode as we'll be talking about Whiteout. And to let you know ahead of time, we're going to try a little bit different of a format for our discussion. So we would love your feedback on this discussion format where we try to focus on the highlights of this episode instead of breaking it down scene by scene and sometimes focusing on the monotonous tiny little details that don't matter sometimes. (laughs) And I'm speaking to myself when I say that. (laughs) So please comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 159 with what you think about this format. It's okay if you want to give us some constructive criticism, some ways that we can improve it. Think about the direction we're going with it, not necessarily how we do this particular time. But let's get into this episode. We've got several great highlights to discuss from feedback that you've given us and from things that we've noticed ourselves. And the first thing is we have yet again another curse keeping people in Storybrook. I'm starting to wonder, are they ever going to leave? Ever. Like, because Storybrooke keeps being recreated. It keeps being, well, not keeps being recreated. It was recreated once. It keeps being saved. <laughs> but they can't leave Storybrooke. Only Emma, and we learned Regina and a couple others, can actually leave Storybrooke. So is this like the curse of the show that the characters can never make it off the island? I mean, out of Storybrooke? <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know, but if they didn't do something, we might wonder why some of them didn't choose to leave and also why more people didn't wander in. Yeah. Like Greg, for example. Well, they don't wander in because Storybrook isn't on the map. Mm, so whenever someone my memory, says... How did Greg the get there? Of the forest. Greg has been hunting for it. Well, yeah, but he, he went there for a different reason. Yeah, maybe he had some special taser tracking device that pointed sure. him in the direction i forgot i'm not sure why i'm talking about season two that we usually don't speak of season two i barely even remember i barely even remember what you're talking about at this point. <laughs> uh, they they didn't really establish whether people could leave in the first place before putting up the ice wall right like right. after zelina because zelina was the flying monkeys people couldn't leave we don't know whether that was a side effect of the curse or whether that was just because Zelina was in power. So we don't know whether they could have left minus the presence of the monkeys during the initial recurse. Amnesia and monkeys and mice, so oh much. I said mice. <laughs> I meant ice. I got tongue twisted. And then now we don't know, since Zelina's been defeated, we don't really know whether they could have left in the meantime, whether Storybrooke is visible to non-fairy tale characters, etc. And nursery rhyme characters. They tend to keep doing this and not establishing, and I guess that's fine because it gives us something to talk about. But just like Mary Margaret said in season one, the walls that we put up, they might keep out pain, but they <laughs> also keep out love. So oh, what if Anna yes. is outside of the walls? <laughs> <laughs> what if Otta's not in Storybrooke? You're keeping her out. She 
is hanging out with the dragon somewhere out. She <laughs> is living in a necklace. I'm oh, calling it now. theory. Wait, are you serious about that? Oh, I'm so serious. They practically t- foreshadowed it to death. Yeah, I totally, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's totally the answer. Bo Peep's like, I put her somewhere safe. Necklace. And it turned out that wasn't what she meant, but it was so pointed. I was like, okay, so she's in the necklace. I was surprised when she wasn't. And then other scenes, you've got um, you've got Elsa staring right into the necklace and talking to Anna. And then, of course, the necklace just happens to fall down this crevice. They make sure we don't forget about it, but they also didn't retrieve it. So it's like, now that the wall won't go away, clearly they're going to figure out she's in there and have to go mm-hmm. get it. At least I think so. See, I didn't get that from any of this. That's a great idea, though. Yeah. Well, the only thing I've been thinking about the necklace is that there's more, I believe, still at the end of the flashbacks of this episode, the necklace is still not broken. And we know that it's broken now. So we know that it's going to come into play in flashbacks again. I keep missing the broken part. It's also greatly tarnished now compared to how it was back then. Well, two curses later, you know. Two curses later. Curses will do horrible things to your silver. To your silver. <laughs> well, I'm thinking with the the staff, Bo Peep's staff there, that can help her find people. It reminds me a little bit of the the finding spell that we've seen used a couple times. It was used on Jefferson's hat and it was used on <laughs> Prince Eric's cape. And in the case of Prince Eric's cape, it took the cape, It the cape was led somewhere and then disappeared into the ocean. Eric was in a different realm at that time. Yeah, but there were suspicious circumstances surrounding that particular spell. <laughs> yes, but I do wonder if maybe this staff is kind of the same way, that it can't point across worlds, but it can only indicate when it's being used across worlds Mm -hmm. or realms that it can only indicate whether she's alive so i'm thinking that maybe anna is in a different realm altogether (laughs) maybe still back in enchanted forest maybe back in modern day arendelle well i'm having a hard time seeing them realm jump again for this first half of the season at least because they've done that a lot and it's always to retrieve somebody so I feel like she has to be hidden in Storybrook, and if she's hidden and nobody knows that she's hidden, I feel like she's got to be in the necklace. That is a good, good yeah. idea. Yeah, because the only thing that would explain their not being them not being able to find her with that magical item if, is if other magic is coming into play, hmm. like if she's cloaked somehow or hidden in a necklace. So if she's hidden in the necklace, who put her there? <laughs> well, do you think so? Or do you think maybe Ice Cream Lady did? And we'll talk more about her in Ice a little Cream bit. Lady. But oh, yeah. Because the... she seems to be set up as a villain. Rumpelstiltskin was a villain back then. He mm-hmm. had, Mr. Gold had some serious facial expressions happening yeah. when Charming came in and asked about Anna as soon as he said the name. Well, Mr. Gold was in avatar mode this week. And by that, I mean, he was not featured in the story particularly, which means he was in 
I'm an NPC. I stand here. I be my character. You interact with me. I don't really do anything new and exciting. I'm just generic. I really hope that they used that footage of him (laughs) holding the crystal ball and laughing, that that was footage from something else. (laughs) Because having heard from Robert Carlyle how long it takes to put on the makeup and especially to take it all off. Right. (laughs) Man, that would be torture to do all of that. Okay, laugh, Rumple. Okay, we're done. Take it all off. I'm sure they probably seem... I bet the next episode will feature the characters we didn't see this week a lot more. So he was probably in his makeup for his filming for the next episode. And I won't say the name, but there is a name in the credits... Yes, there is. That we haven't uh-huh. seen yet. And it's listed no, we have it. as a regular, but Hunter and Jacqueline will probably talk about that more in their spoilers. Right. If section. you want spoilers, you can go find it. If you don't want spoilers, just keep ignoring the credits. Yeah. Well, I do want to explain my little statement about Mr. Gold. I was simply annoyed by the fact that they walked in and said Emma was in danger and he did. How does that concern me? It's like, A, you're supposed to be different than that now. B, why is your wife not hitting you in the arm? Yeah. You're supposed to be different than this. You've been changing as a character. I don't understand how this doesn't concern you and how you can be so aloof, except for, uh, you know, you're not featured in this episode. So the writer was not <laughs> particularly interested in writing you. And David was really respectful of him. Like he did, he wasn't demanding, in my opinion. Like he walked in, maybe he looked like he was going to be aggressive, but he just said, it's an emergency. Emma's in trouble. Can we have your help? He wasn't saying you have to help us. Right. And in that, if he had been saying that, that would have at least justified Gold being a little bit like him, his old self. But yeah, I was kind of disappointed with his, with both of them. And then maybe it was a honeymoon behold, thing. Bell has the card right there. Right. <laughs> like, well, we've actually been kind of looking for this necklace. Well, it was when they looked at that card that Mr. Gold had the most interesting and knowing kind of look. Hmm. Maybe he trapped her in that necklace. Well, then, yeah. Then he should be a little more forthcoming. Although, as we've... Now, maybe maybe he's troubled by whatever he uncovered in the last episode, and so he's a little prickly. Yeah. Perhaps. Getting a little defensive a little bit. Yeah, he's busy... Worried about a new nemesis that we haven't even seen yet. Hmm. Wheels in my mind have been turning. Well, speaking of turning, <laughs> Mary Margaret. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, by the way, if you haven't seen the deleted scene that aired on Good Morning America, it is now available that you can watch. We'll have a link to it in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 159. But the deleted scene is Mary Margaret going to Regina and asking for Regina's help to restore the fi- the power. And that's when Regina tells Mary Margaret, this isn't my curse. This is your curse. I'm not the mayor anymore. I don't want that job. You take it. And that's not quite the way that the rest of the episode plays out because of that conversation that they have at the power plant. They kind of fill us in on that. Mm-hmm. But it was still a neat scene to see that and hear their uh, discussion about that and see kind of that passing of the baton. So Mary Margaret more interesting actually, but yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It was a, it was a good scene. Maybe they decided if she wouldn't talk to Henry, she certainly wouldn't have answered the door for snow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, that's true. That was kind of hinted at as well. Mm. I, 
uh, it's been a couple of days since I watched it, but it, yeah, she, she pressured in order to come in, but it was a great scene. Most of the time deleted scenes, you watch them and you can re- tell, yeah, that makes sense why they deleted it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much there. This one, this was a good scene. And so I'm glad that they shared it with us. That's really cool how they did that. So we'll have that link in the show notes that you can rewatch that scene. But do you think Mary Margaret or Snow will take on this role as mayor, as the leader of the town? Well, if she does, I hope it looks more Snow White-like and less what it looked like this week. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, she has had eight hours sleep in the last two weeks and has a newborn baby at home. And she has grumpy. (laughs) Yeah, grumpy and happy who was not acting very happy and granny who's supposed to be grandmother like telling her that she had to fix this big problem when her baby was like i they were pretty aggressive about that yeah somewhere in a cave leaning up against a rock wall the handle of a pickaxe changed from happy to whiny and tech obsessed yeah. <laughs> Internet, computer, DVD, CD, DVR, all of these things. Stop saying letters. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, she was funny. I found, yeah, I, I think I already said in the initial reaction, she was reading the manual to the power plant in Japanese, which she can't read. And she managed to start the whole thing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the curse could have provided some staff. Maybe it's similar to bird language. In the <laughs> in the deleted scene, that is, Regina says there's a backup generator. So this isn't, in our initial re- reactions, I was talking about, now we know where Storybrooke gets its power. Oh. No, this is just a backup generator, and which makes sense because you don't burn fuel. Right, I kind of wondered power. about that. I mean, there's some kind of fuel, but yeah, it's not like, eh, go gas up the power plant. So does that mean they're going to have another blackout when the ba- backup generator goes out? Or are they going to be working on repairing those hydro lines? Which one of the dwarves is is uh, equipped to do that? Uh, I think Dr. Whale would make the most sense <laughs> to help them out with the power. He'll just put up some lightning rods and they'll get their electricity that way. Where's Blue Fairy? I mean, she should have some powers in this. You would think. Now, as going back to Mary Margaret as it's the It's all mayor, part of her plan. I'm sure that's out there. <laughs> I think that this does make sense because when you look at the royalty line here, Snow White is royalty. Mm-hmm. David is not. He was a fake prince and then he married a princess. Which makes him royalty. Well, but not like royal blood. So he married into the throne, not actually has claimed royalty to the isn't himself. born, Derry. It's made. <laughs> Is it born or is it cursed? <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. So that that could make sense to Mary Margaret's being the mayor in this town. Not just the fact that she made the curse and cast it, but that she is heir to the throne more than David. So that would make her ruler. Just like in England right now, the queen is the ruler, kind of, and not a king that doesn't exist. I think I buy the you cast the curse logic more, actually. Yeah, that. that no offense. <laughs> I mean, I don't like that logic, but, you know, at the same time, I want 
to see snow be more snow white like again i mean i was thinking that throughout this episode but i think considering this to be their new kingdom kind of might get them there snow and charming were pretty cool characters for a long time and they now tend to do desperate things to seem cool Mm. like letting a child drive I do want to see them back to their prince and princess selves and yeah. ruling ruling side by side and ruling justly. That would be neat. I, of course, how they would rule would be very different in a town instead of a kingdom. But it's making this a home, not a cage. <laughs> they can still have cages, though. That's what but the they, sheriff's office is for. Yeah. <laughs> they would be ruling now as king and queen, though, right? Not... Prince and princess. Right. I guess. Mayor and first man. I'm just waiting for them to hold the baby up to everybody. <laughs> All Lion, Lion King, King style. style. <laughs> Elsa can make the precipice. <laughs> <laughs> or she did already. Jane Espenson said when she wrote that scene in, um, was that in The Miller's Daughter? What episode was yeah, that Yeah, The in? Miller's Daughter. She said that she forgot that newborn babies don't really hold up so well. So maybe they're just waiting until uh, Neil's a little bit older to introduce him to the kingdom. They don't hold up? Like, because they don't, they can't, like, hold their heads up and stuff. So you can't just grab them and, like, Lion King it because they'll flop. Yeah. They're they're waiting for Neil to have some head control. (laughs) Gotcha. But baby high five. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Oh, boy. And it's funny to see Snow dealing with all of this stress so differently than back in Enchanted Forest, because this is a completely different stress from before. We've never seen Snow with the whole postpartum thing, because you know she had a baby and then she was cursed. And no memory of having a baby the first time, I'm saying. Right. So now she has that recovery period to make these powerful mayor-like speeches. You know, she kind of missed, this time she she has the baby, but she missed the whole pregnancy. So it's like between her two children, she's had sort of a complete pregnancy cycle of being pregnant and giving birth and having a baby to care for. Yeah. Yeah. And then the baby that's not from the same pregnancy that she actually remembers. Right. (laughs) It's all rather confusing. Let's just be grateful that she has a baby and she knows it's hers. <laughs> <laughs> a big theme in this episode is an uh, interesting theme, to say the least, and that is that survival by itself is not living. David said this in the past. He said it in, or Anna said it to David in the past, and he said it here in the present. What do you guys think of that perspective? I liked it. I liked the line. I think that I uh, then to kind of follow up, she had this other line. You don't know anything about loss. You're loss. You're just afraid of it. And I think that's not sure about that because I don't know if you can really, really be afraid of loss unless you've experienced it. But who hasn't experienced some kind of loss? I know that Some people might not agree that survival is not living and they might think survival is the only option that you have. But at some point, that's not going to serve you anymore, just in like the bigger picture of actual life sense. So I liked that theme. It's not living to just be surviving. I yeah, I like the message 
for the intended audience. I think when I when I imagine a global audience with trials that we don't know in America, I start to question the message a little bit. But, you know, different lifestyles for different situations. Mm-hmm. It does remind me a lot of the pilot episode of Once Upon a Time when Snow White was there with her class as Mary Margaret, and she was teaching the children to build the bird cages and sh- or the bird houses. And she said, remember, you're building a home, not a cage. I think that ties in with this, that David is uh, this perspective that survival isn't enough. You can survive in a cage, but you can't live in a cage. It's not living with yourself just in a cage. A home is where you live, not a cage. You survive in a cage. So I think it goes back a lot in that way. And a neat way to see tying back to that main idea that started the season a lot. And I think really an idea that might stay, that I I still really think they are going to make a home of present day land instead of treating this like a cage that they have to deal with and have to try to survive, that they're going to live here. But at some point they might have the choice to go back. So some will choose to go back some will choose to stay. And I think that's how the series as a whole might end. I don't know how I feel about that being an ending to the series, but that's possible. It's, uh, this line also reminds me of Emma in the pilot because she was surviving, but she wasn't living. Like she, she was alive and she was, you know, making enough money to meet ends, ends meet and, everything like that but she ultimately was lonely and sad and not living the way that she's living now it's a bad analogy because there's all this crisis all the time in her life but she didn't have a a family or anything and now she's like kind of truly stepping into that role and it's the moments between the crises that she gets to appreciate even exactly. more and more. <laughs> kind and of, we do mean moments. <laughs> kind of like that moment, that hug she had with Hook as soon as she got out of the ice wall. That was just like a very trusting, loving <laughs> hug. Not like a romantic, mm-hmm. starry-eyed kind of thing, but like, this is the person I trust my life with. I'm so glad to be rescued. Thank you for saving me. Yeah, you know, so much more there than a romance thing, than just a romance thing. That is, you think about her the like the like the last few days she's had. So they they defeat the wicked witch, and then sort of they have a party. During that party, they see a big pillar of fiery light stuff from somewhere else. She goes, ends up going back in time. The second she gets back, she goes back to the same celebration party. And then another bad thing happens when they realize who Marion is. And then it wasn't very long after that that Elsa happened. Next like the day, next day. A bad snowman. <laughs> day after that, get yeah. locked in an ice wall. <laughs> well, and her kid is hurting and she's hurting for Regina and there's like all of this, yeah, turmoil. She's trying to figure out if she's in love or not. It's like again. A- it's like a battle she can't win. Really, she's trying to decide whether she wants Hook to die or not. If you think about it. Because everybody she falls in love with dies. 
That's true. It's true. But does that mean it's still worth pursuing? Kind of like what David said with the battle. Well, like Anna was saying with the battles, you can't win. I'm sorry, but why fight a battle you can't win? Those are exactly the battles you should fight. If you know you can win, it's not a fight. If it's impossible, you have to fight to achieve it. Spoken like a naive young girl. Well, it's not impossible if you can win it, but I understand the thinking here. (laughs) I suppose seems impossible might have been a more accurate way to say that. Right. Because, yeah, you won't know if you can win the battle as impossible as it seems, you might actually be able to win that battle. As we saw, David won a battle that seemed impossible. But you can't just stop fighting these battles. They're going to come up day after day. But I like how we saw this change in David's character. And it it reminds me a lot of how pre or mid-curse David was mid curse how he was very <laughs> like the true david no not that oh right because he while both, he was but cursed. he has the same name for both yeah while he was cursed while he was with abigail and or catherine and struggling with his feelings for mary margaret that whole thing he was very weak he wasn't really willing to fight a battle uh, he wasn't strong all of the conflict was within himself And that's how he was many years ago before he met Anna. Mm -hmm. So Anna helped bring that out of him, the strength, the courage, the fighting. I rewatched... like a day. It was amazing. (laughs) I rewatched the episode, The Shepherd, when we first got to learn David's backstory and see that he was a shepherd. He killed the dragon and all of that stuff for King George. Mm -hmm. I rewatched that episode looking for moments that tied into this episode, maybe Mm -hmm. direct lines that he said that he might have originally gotten from Anna. I didn't see that in any of them. I can see, yes, he was stronger and certain things about how he felt that love was worth uh, waiting for and that he wasn't willing to just marry anyone. He said true love is something he can afford. But no crossover with the ideas here, but it probably did happen a couple years. It would have had to have happened a couple or a few years after this incident when he met Anna. Mm-hmm. Speaking of meeting her, I thought the whole I'm Joan, you're not Joan thing was a lot like Snow and Red meeting for the first time. Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> when Snow gave her false name and it was clearly a false name. Yeah. Mary Mark. No, Margaret. (laughs) Frosty. (laughs) Did you guys get the Frozen reference in Anna's choice of name? Yes. I did not. Hang in there, Joan. Hang in there, Joan. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of Frozen references in this episode. Like so many that there is a Tumblr post where they have, as Tumblr does, animated GIF (laughs) of all of these different scenes. But several of them, like many similar lines or names like the hang in there Joan thing. And also uh, Elsa inside the ice wall said about the cold, it never bothered me. And when Henry was knocking on the door at Regina's house, he was saying, I know you're in there. And the whole way that Elsa uses her magic where she stands kind of facing forward, but uses one hand extended out more than the other. 
and several other things that tie back and forth with Frozen, not direct quotations from Frozen, but certainly, I think, inspired by them. For fun. <laughs> well, like also in some of the scenes when on this particular Tumblr blog that has the animated GIF, and we'll put that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 159. Some of them, I think, look like a bit of a stretch to say, yeah, this is a reference to Frozen. It's like Anna gets on a horse and Frozen. And in Once Upon a Time, she gets on a horse and rides away too. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But then there are the other things. Like also when Elsa asked Emma if she was born with the magic or cursed, that's what uh, Grandpappy asked when Elsa's mother and father took her to the rock trolls. And he said, uh, born with the magic or cursed. And Elsa's father said she was born with it. Which is probably something that is absolutely true. We just don't know for sure at this point whether that's her real father. (laughs) We don't have any reason to believe that he's not yet other than just this show and its writers. Right, because everybody's connected. So whenever we see a new character in some way, they're probably connected to someone else on the show. Everybody's got parental issues on the show, too. (laughs) Well, it is a fairy tale. Maybe the exception to the connection rule, though, is Bo Peep. I was going to say, you know who's not a fairy tale? Bo Peep, because she's a nursery rhyme. Yeah. Have we seen other nursery rhymes? Well, uh, (laughs) what was the Jack Spratt? That was, what was that from? That's a nursery rhyme. Jack Spratt could eat no fat his way. That was a theory. Yeah, but if they give us a whole villain... Just from a nursery rhyme. I wouldn't be surprised if looking back at that scene with the guy eating the carrot and the heavy set woman as his wife, if that was Jack Spratt and his wife. Well, you know what's stupid? I almost want backstory on Bo Peep. And the reason is they usually take characters and make them make sense in some way. Either there's something iconic about the character and they go, here's a logical way in history this person got this trait. Or... They change it. They change the character. They're like, hey, look, Snow White doesn't always dress in this dress. She was like a bandit for a while. Or, hey, Jack in Jack and the Beanstalk is actually a woman and looks like this and does these sorts of things. And here's the history of how she came to fight giants and blah, blah, blah. Here's Bo Peep, who's somehow all at once a warlord and dressed just like the book in sort of a ridiculous frilly flowery (laughs) dress with the staff and i just want to know is this some kind of psychosis she's trying to be pretty she's an extortionist (laughs) and extortionists (laughs) always wear lace and flowers (laughs) that's just what women wore then (laughs) (laughs) she didn't look oh my gosh it was just weird for me I don't think she's magical. She has an item that is magical. Yeah. Because the only magic we've seen her use is with the staff. And that was just what the staff could actually do is help her find people, which her very ornate beflowered staff. It's a funny tie back to the actual nursery rhyme because Bo Peep is, well, if you've not seen anything other than, uh, 
Toy Story, then you might not know <laughs> as much about Bo Peep because Bo Peep was <laughs> a character on Toy Story. Are as you well. brushed up on your Bo Peep lore? But the actual, <laughs> the rhyme, and this comes in many different forms, but the popular version or one of the popular versions of the rhyme is Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep and doesn't know where to find them. Leave them alone and they'll come home wagging their tails behind them. There are different versions of this and even extended versions, uh, additional verses that are kind of weird where she finds mm. the sheep and they don't have their tails. Oh, okay. but then she finds the tails separate and all lined nicely in a mm. row. Meat cleaver. Separate from the sheep. Yeah. Now, here's the funny thing about her tone down the dress. And I thought she was a scarier villain than the Wicked Witch ever was, in a way, because she just played the character so menacingly in the way she talked and her expressions. I thought she was scary in fairy tale land. I thought she was scary in Storybrooke. I was like, I could see her being like a real threat if she had her people and all this stuff. I don't think she is like a major threat, but I thought she was a good character. I, just, I didn't understand the flowers. <laughs> In, Unless she's like President Snow in the Hunger Games or something. It's all to, you know, make herself not look or smell so bloody from all her uh, warlording. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> now she's a butcher with all of that blood. Yeah. Right. In the chat room, Manix said, Bo Peep is the quintessential governor. Her staff does all the work. <laughs> yeah, well, and her demeanor. So I think that just the staff that was good. wouldn't have been enough, but... But without her, like, hardcore demeanor that Jeremy's talking about, the people wouldn't have feared her and realized that a guy who just learned how to sword fight the day before was actually able to defeat her. Yeah. Now, I do like that they took or they they needed a villain and they made that villain be a fairy tale character or uh, what we kind of call a fairy tale character. Instead of just making up a character that completely didn't exist and making that the villain. So I can appreciate that they're tying in more stories and giving us more characters that we're kind of familiar with and making something unique and magical about that character. That's that's kind of cool in that. Just a little weird. I, I wonder how many times could, could uh, the actors say Bo Peep? without a serious face <laughs> we'll have to see when the dvds come out whether there's some bloopers on that yeah when it's available to order you can go to onespodcast.com slash season four it's not available for pre-order yet but when it is that link will work so just keep refreshing just keep refreshing <laughs> although it may not work anymore if you're listening to this in 2084 in our forums, we received a bunch of different feedback about Bo Peep. Amadele said, What on earth is the point and logic behind Bo Peep, the most powerful warlord around? I'm sure that Rumple is thrilled with the downgrade to be under a power-mad freak with a crook, which she didn't even mention by name. Her grating British accent equals annoying. <laughs> <laughs> i agree but it's part of what made her such a good villain yeah i think she played the part really well I, i'm not sure i would say it's the best part right i but... guess it suggested lots of backstory somehow the way she pulled it off and the way they did it i just don't know that we'll ever see that or have any reason to probably not maybe season 12 
Fee said, I like the idea of Warlord Bo Peep. It just doesn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> more than the execution. The way she, quote, branded, unquote, people just seemed not that warlordy. They should have gone all out and had her magic be a thing that could brainwash people so they don't question what she did and blindly follow her, thereby becoming her, quote, sheep, unquote. I think that's that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, that like blind sheep just following. But then again, you know, it goes back to, as some people say, sheeple. We're all like sheep <laughs> and we can be led astray. Jenna B said, I liked Bo Peep, but yes, she is definitely a one episode only kind of character. Having someone like that even recurring would get very annoying very quickly. But again, I like the lighter, campier moments, so I thought she was pretty hilarious. And I like when they take different spins on the characters. So to make Bo Peep a warlord was great, in my opinion. We also received this message from Ulysses. Ulysses? S. Grant saying, did you guys catch that the actress that plays Bo Peep is the actress that plays Juliet's sister in Lost? Is it just coincidence that they both came out on this episode, or could it be foreshadowing for a future connection? What if these two, and Anna, and Elsa's mother, are sisters? At least we get some kind of strange reunion for Juliet and her sister in a different dimension. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. In fact, I wouldn't say that they, so they're missing. Sister? <laughs> I wouldn't say that they're missing a reunion because Bo Peep's shop is one store down from this ice cream lady's shop. Really, when we saw David walking to Bo Peep's meat shop or the chop shop, he passes by the ice cream shop and then another shop. And then Bo Peep's shop. Okay. So they're probably not long lost sisters. It was in the order from left to right. It's uh, Chop Shop Quality Meats, uh, Dupery and Hughes Multi-Service Law Firm, and then Any Given Sunday. And Sunday is S-U-N-D-A-E. And that's the ice cream shop. <laughs> so I don't think they're long lost sisters because they're so close together. But connections, possible but with Bo Peep, I well, don't we haven't. So. We don't know anything about either one of them. They could talk to each other daily. Yeah. They might not be long mm-hmm. lost. They might just be sisters. Might be allies. Yeah. <laughs> I need some meat frozen. Can you do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let me just take off my gloves. <laughs> but speaking of connections, what do you think about the building friendship between Emma and Elsa? Or do you see a friendship building? Well, yeah, she seems they seem to be better friends already than Emma is with anybody else she could have been good friends with so far in the show. Well, they're practically having a slumber party already. <laughs> Just think about their backstories, assuming Elsa's backstory is what we know of from Frozen. They're very similar. They're very much both grew up in a kingdom of isolation. <laughs> They've both got this, you know, big power that they can't control. And also, both of them are based on fairy tales from the same author, (laughs) Um, which is Hans Christian Andersen, because (laughs) they have said that Emma Swan, Swan was given to her because she is like the ugly duckling trying to figure out 
where she belongs, and uh, and then the Snow Queen, which we know that Frozen was loosely based off of. So, makes sense. And I like this that it's not that Elsa is suddenly the new villain, and I was hoping that they wouldn't make her the villain. If anything, that she would just be misunderstood, and that's what she was. But now she's understood, and. It's like Emma has another person with whom she can finally relate. She's in this land with all of these people that have all of these magical abilities that know how to control them, or they're all fairy tale characters. But here is Elsa, who, yes, is a fairy tale character, but is in the same place as Emma, just as afraid, just as unsure of herself at times, trying to be a queen. Remember, she is queen. Elsa, not just a princess. Emma is a princess, but she's also the savior. So that maybe that makes them kind of on an equal playing field a little bit. <laughs> Meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Henry is getting to see the idea of not giving up on the people that you love and a great, powerful message from this episode. I think that would be the battle that they're talking about, that this whole episode's theme comes down to this, not fight the battles that seem impossible. But don't give up on the ones you love. That is the battle that might seem impossible. That's the battle you should fight, no matter how impossible it seems, is to not give up on those people that you love. And it really neat to see Henry not giving up. And a little side note, of all of the times that we've heard the crow and I've pointed this out several times before, that whenever we would see Regina outside, it seemed like every time there was always a crow sound. We finally get to see her use a crow, and that was when she sent (laughs) that message to Henry. That's true. And in our forums, Wicked Regal pointed out that this episode has come full circle from two seasons ago. This is the second episode of season four. In the second episode of season two, Henry was leaving home. Now he's trying to get back in home and home being there with Regina. I thought he went back and forth a lot. Well, he did. But in in season two, remember beginning of season two, he was trying to escape. And Regina was forcing him to stay until she did eventually let him go. Let him go. (laughs) Now the big topic of this episode the tiny little scene that we got at the very end that will inspire the most theories the ice cream lady the ice cream lady okay who do you think did she you is? say did you say the ice queen lady because Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's, what that's who call. i think she is <laughs> the snow queen yep so you think this will tie back into hans christian anderson's original tale and she will be the Snow Queen, the villain from that story. I think that would make that would be a really good way for this to follow the actual formula of Once Upon a Time, and it would be a way of kind of like quashing our concerns that we had originally with them doing Frozen, uh, because Snow Queen is an actual fairy tale, not just a Disney movie that was not at all like the fairy tale that it was supposedly based off of. Um, and I actually reread Snow Queen earlier today. It's actually a lot longer than I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually seven stories in one. So it's like kind of seven chapters. And most of them are actually um, a little girl looking for the boy that got taken by the Snow Queen. So I saw similarities 
even in this episode with Elsa looking for her sister who, hey, could have been taken by the Snow Queen. We don't really know. But um, there were lots of things like um, the crows, like the animals help the, the the girl in Snow Queen is named Gerda. The animals help her. So there's crows that help her and there's reindeer that helps her. And um, there was just a lot of things. But the main thing that kind of ties that to Frozen was this quote. Uh, Some people even got fragments in their heart. And that was a horrible thing. The heart at once became like a lump of ice. So that's kind of if they do Snow Queen in this as well as Frozen. The Frozen Heart is something that I think we're definitely going to see. Oh, yeah. I think it makes perfect sense to go there, especially with the way that we see Ice Queen Lady, since that's my new nickname for her. The the way that we see her working with the magic. And she seems to get some special kick out of each time that she uses the magic and just feels so wonderful that she even violates health code rules and <laughs> sticks her finger in the ice cream someone emailed us about that and was really bothered by hey, that. that that was for her it's been a long day yeah that's her ice cream my theory is the part of her powers is that not only can she make ice cream she can eat as much as she wants without getting sick or fat hmm. speaking of the ice cream or brain freeze because the cold never bothered huh? her anyway oh, that would be a great power to have in the initial reactions, I mentioned the ice cream store that was in Steveston and how it had all of these cool mm-hmm. magical flavors and stuff for the cast of Once Upon a Time. And that wasn't it. Our it's friend, closed. well, yeah, our friend Jeff Roney oh. has been to Steveston. He's been to that ice cream shop. He's the host of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast over at onceisfrozen.com. <laughs> Good props to you, Jeff, for grabbing that domain since that's the official hashtag for this season. But uh, he let us know that that shop is now closed. How could it close? <laughs> yeah. Why was the cast not buying more ice cream? Yeah. And crew and all the I... tourists. <laughs> Do they get tourists? Yeah. Yeah, they get a lot. I um, I went to Steveston this summer. I guess I <gasps> probably didn't tell you guys that. I guess you probably um, didn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron holding out on us. Yeah, I. Where are the pictures? <laughs> Where were the live tweets and and like? For me, it was. <laughs> I would have sent you a okay, video camera because this is what happened. I didn't go when they were she filming. Didn't <laughs> you didn't want to be on assignment, did you? Okay. <laughs> well, no, they weren't filming. So I went to BC this summer to visit my best friend who lives there. And um, we just for one day drove up to Steveston to see it. But it was actually so busy because there it was the uh, some fish festival where it was like all their seafood was out on display to buy because it's a fishing, it's a fishing town. So yeah, I went and the ice cream shop was closed and uh, the only sign that was up was uh, Mr. Gold shop, which is actually now an actual shop where as before it was just like ABC, I think owned it. And it is now, it's not an antique store, but it's, or maybe it is an antique store. It has a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, and then the Storybrooke hardware store, that sign is up. But other than that, it was, there was kind of no sign that Storybrooke existed. And um, even going into the toy store, because I heard they sold little yellow Volkswagen Beetles, <laughs> they had them, but they were, they were like behind, the, like you had to ask for them. Uh-huh. They didn't, 
to have them out because that was like for for special fan customers only. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be or as it would have been had they been actually there and filming. But, but did you see Grannies? I I couldn't even find Grannies to be honest. Like oh. I looked. <laughs> I looked for it, but it was so busy because of this festival. It was kind of impossible. That's funny. You didn't see the library without the clock tower? <laughs> I did. I did. I took a picture oh. of that. I'll put them on Facebook eventually. My goodness. Sorry. Wow. Sorry, guys. My goodness. Yeah, should have told I you. I feel left out. <laughs> let's just end the podcast now. End it on a downer. Let's, we're done. No, let's talk about ice cream. Okay, <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream for everybody. So what do you think? She's evil, right? Uh, I think she's evil. I'll be the first to say it. I think she's going to be a villain. Apparently, villains tend to not stay villains. Or right when they could be redeemed, Gold decides to kill them. (laughs) Seeing that it's Elizabeth Mitchell playing this part, and Elizabeth Mitchell played the part of Juliet in Lost, Mm -hmm. and in Lost, her character was one of the most annoying characters to me. What? More, I, a lot of people hated Kate. I liked Kate. I didn't like Juliet. The reason I didn't like Juliet, and this is relevant to this, so uh, the reason I didn't like Juliet is that she would always give such vague answers and not tell what she definitely knew. She yeah. had her reasons. And I, <laughs> I'm a little anxious about this. That means I'm feeling anxiety. That doesn't mean I'm eager. The grammar <laughs> lesson. I'm wow. I'm a little anxious about grandma this because lesson? I wonder if that's how she's going to be here too. This where, is like the episode where the hosts of the podcast became not friends anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> because I, Aaron went to Stevenson didn't tell us, and you don't like Juliet, and I love Juliet, and so that's kind of it. Well, I she had her great moments in Lost. <laughs> it was just that. <laughs> Those moments when she, well, and Ben was like this way too in Lost. So it's, I'm not saying she's the only annoying one from Lost, but I, I, it just really bugs me when someone obviously knows the truth, but they're only giving these really vague answers. It doesn't always bug you. That's Mr. Gold all the time. Yeah, but he says it with a really cool accent. (laughs) So that's different. And I wonder if that's Julia going to like be Elizabeth Mitchell. I wonder if that's going to be some of her personality here in Storybrook too. That she doesn't really seem like she's in a position though that people will be coming to ask for help. But <clears throat> well, uh, I find the whole thing a little weird. Her introduction felt very similar to Elsa's introduction at the end of last season, only with the actress cast. Yeah, it was sort of <laughs> over the top, music wise special effects wise. And it was like, she can't be like that all the time. Just freezing every wall she leans on. It's like, in case you didn't get it, her superpower is not ice cream. It's all things ice. Mm -hmm. In case you didn't get the lead in from the last scene, Elsa's not the only one. So what'd she do? Find out about the wall around town and just go, Hmm, I am now going to latch onto this with my more advanced power because I can control it. And I'm going to keep this wall here. For some reason. Maybe she wants to find out who made it. So she doesn't want him to leave. So she just made the wall solid. Until I can find my daughter, no one leaves this town. Daughter, yep. you say? Yeah, well. Think so? I think that, yes, she is Elsa's actual mother. So is Elsa adopted? 
probably. And we got is a, Anna adopted? No. Well, no. let me read this feedback. This is a great piece of feedback here from Frozen Queen saying, I think that Elizabeth Mitchell's character is the Snow Queen who gave up her infant daughter, Elsa, to Rumpelstiltskin for mysterious but sympathetic reasons. Hmm. Rumpelstiltskin then made a deal with the King and Queen of Arendelle, who adopted Elsa. Sounds like another deal that Rumpel has done before, like mm-hmm. David, thinking they were unable to have their own child. Later, Anna came along as a welcomed surprise. The king and queen never told Elsa she was adopted, nor how she came by her powers. Unbeknown to Elsa, she inherited her magic from her birth mother, the Snow Queen, who lived in Misty Haven. Or I think Misty. she meant uh, Mist Haven. <laughs> That is where Elsa's adoptive mother and father were headed in a ship when the storm hit to seek help and understanding about Elsa's uncontrollable power. The Queen of Arendelle wrote a note to Elsa telling her she was adopted, who her birth mother is, and then sealed the letter in a bottle. Years later, Anna set out on a mission to find out what happened when she came across the Snow Queen, who then froze or apprehended Anna for some unknown reason, Elsa will somehow discover the letter in a bottle from her adoptive mother and will then learn the identity of the Snow Queen, who is now in Storybrooke, as well as the location of her adoptive sister, Anna. I think that's a really cool theory. Uh, Fun. (laughs) (laughs) Pun not intended. It would kind of make sense with the whole Rumpelstiltskin having the bottle in his dungeon if he was involved in the deal of her as an infant because he seems a little possessive of the babies that he has dealings with. So perhaps once the parents died, that made the deal null and void. And then when Anna showed up, he knew that Elsa was his. He could use her power kind of thing. If originally a deal was made with him about the baby. Or it was just power that, like he said, before about everything that was in his vault power that he couldn't control or understand and therefore he felt it needed to be locked up maybe he's had a run-in with the snow queen that has inspired him to think oh you have that power you're trouble i'm gonna lock you up in a bottle hmm. that's a good theory maybe he seemed awfully excited for anna to be heading his way i think he's just excited when anybody says his name <laughs> At least she's pronounced it correctly. Right. Is it like Lord Voldemort? Like he knows every single time somebody says his name. That's what I'm thinking. Because whenever someone says his name, he shows up or almost whenever. And it seemed like here again, Ruth, David's mother, was afraid to say his name because she probably knew he'll show up if I say his name or he'll he'll be hearing us. Maybe his ears actually burn. And he just has the power to find out who said his name. (laughs) So I I like the idea of Elizabeth Mitchell's character being Snow Queen and also being Elsa's mother. That's what I think is what's really going on. (laughs) Which makes me start to wonder, is this another Cora and Regina sort of thing going on? I don't really want to see that story played out again, just this time with Ice instead of hearts. She's the queen of isolation. Oh, gosh. Instead of the queen of hearts. Hasn't the mother 
daughter, father, son story kind of been the whole series? It has been, yeah. Really focusing on family relationships. And finding lost family and broken families that are getting put back together and adoption and abandonment. And and people in items worn about the neck. <laughs> like Prince Philip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Wraith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was more the Wraith that was in the... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how good her ice cream is. <laughs> it's probably the best. Probably. It's probably really cold. Yeah. So when we have, it looked like it was the perfect consistency. When we have, oh yeah, when we have a season finale party, which we are going to do this season. Announcement Ooh. now. We now are going is to this have season four, or season four A. It will be season four. So finale. like in May. Yes. So in May of 2015, we'll be planning a season finale party in the greater Cincinnati area. So start getting ready as soon as we have that date for what the actual season finale will be. Then we'll announce that we'll start making actual plans and to say we're going to be here at this time and such. But at least watch out for that date. And as soon as you hear it, know that we're going to have something here in Cincinnati now that we've been doing the podcast longer, I think that the community has gotten to know each other a lot more, and they're a lot more excited for getting to meet each other. Like, I know Jacqueline might come down from uh, where she lives for the party. I've seen tweets from other people that are in uh, Columbus or Indiana, Southern Kentucky, even Tennessee, saying, when you have something, I want to come up for it. So we will be having a season finale party for end of season four, and there will be ice cream there. <laughs> and we will find each other. Yes. Because we Daniel? will always find each other. <laughs> Can we do like a panel with the podcasters that come and do like a live panel podcast like Haley Fest? Definitely. Definitely. It's my way of saying I'm going to come. I'm going to come. Awesome. And can we do something awesome? Yeah. I think you guys are only like a nine hour drive or something. It's okay. not actually that hmm. far. Not Every, as far as Steveston. I flew to Steveston. <laughs> Every place that we would consider must have an internet connection because we want to be able to live stream our initial reactions afterward like we would do. But yes, that would be awesome because uh, it's very likely that Jacqueline would be able to come. And it's great that you'll be able to come. Jeremy would already be there. I'd be there. Jenny would also <laughs> yes, join us. Yes, it's actually too. going to be in my house. <laughs> I will already be there. So that would be awesome. Plan for it. Start making trip ideas don't come by boat because we've seen what can happen if you come by boat with elsa and anna's parents oh yeah can we come by purple smoke sure yeah that would be awesome actually if you can i might fear you a little bit (laughs) and we'll be selling candles to raise money for the podcast hey speaking of raising money for the podcast big thanks to people who help support the podcast david newland lisa slack steve johnson kelsey hunt dj firewolf Thank you very much. All of these, you hear these names a lot, and that's not just because they gave us a massive amount of money. They give us a little bit every month on a consistent basis to support the podcast. Sometimes it's just $10 a month. Sometimes it's more than that. Like David Newland, you hear his name in every single episode, and Steve (laughs) Johnson and Lisa Slack almost in every single episode. 
Thank you for your donations. Also, welcome to Jamie Moran, who is a, our new Patreon backer. We've got seven backers over on Patreon, which donates per episode. So now we're up to $17.50 per episode. We really appreciate the support. We could not do this without you, really. And here's something, too, Literally. that we need your help with. Even if you can't support us financially, which you can find options for donating, even if it's just a dollar per episode or $5 a month or something like that, go over to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. But here's where we really need your help, and we want to leverage the power, the connections, the relationships that you already have. We really need to find a sponsor for this podcast because the expenses of running the website, uh, the amount of traffic we're getting, some of these things, it's just getting out of hand. You're saying a corporate sponsor. Yeah, corporate sponsor. Uh, We're looking at maybe doing something special for book authors where a book author would get to sponsor an episode with their book and we give a little promo for their book and it would be at a lower cost than... Uh, a corporate sponsorship. But if you have connections with companies that might be interested in sponsoring a TV show fan podcast, then please email daniel at oncepodcast.com. And keep in mind that our Once Upon a Time podcast isn't the only TV show fan podcast we have. We have other TV show fan podcasts like about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Under the Dome, and Resurrection. So a potential sponsor could reach out to multiple audiences on uh, across multiple podcasts with our network so please if you know someone like that that might be a great connection send them my way make that connection with us email both them and me make a connection for us get us on the line together we need your help and uh, we'd really appreciate that because it is the expenses are getting quite out of hand with running the server and trying to keep things online moving things around so We do really appreciate the donations, and we could not do this podcast without those. So again, if you want to check out how you can donate to the podcast, go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Also, special thanks to two Italian sisters from Vancouver, Canada, (laughs) for leaving a review for us on iTunes at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. They said, or she said, almost every podcast we come out of it and say, Oh, I never thought of that, which allows us to talk about a whole new mess of theories. Thank you very much (laughs) for your review for us in iTunes. That was just part of their review. If you haven't reviewed us yet in iTunes, or if you want to go update your review, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you use Stitcher, go to oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher and review us there. There are a lot of great conversations going on in the forums, and I know that we didn't hit every single point here that we could have to discuss this episode. There were a lot of things, little things here and there that we skipped and stuff, but that's where you can continue this conversation, either on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 159, or especially in the forums. That's a great place for you to start your own conversations and talk with others about once upon a time about your theories about future episodes about past episodes tying things together share spoilers don't discuss spoilers there's so many great places to do that that you're missing out if you're not in the forums oncepodcast.com is where you can get all of this stuff the link to itunes the stitcher the donation links the forums how to contact us all of that it's at oncepodcast.com if you can't remember everything else just remember that oncepodcast.com. As we wrap this up, I want to throw a crazy question out to you with you having no preparation whatsoever. Recognizing that this ice queen lady 
is a master of making ice cream. Could we call her the Dairy Queen? Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> what flavor of ice cream would you want her to make for you? Jeremy, if you could have any, it's basically like a question of if you could have any flavor ice cream, what would it be? Mm. Oh. Oh, any flavor? Oh, that's not fair. I don't know. Erin, you go first. Uh, if I <laughs> ate ice cream, I would pick cookie dough fudge mint chip. Ooh. Oh my gosh. That's, that's just, I didn't know you could pick all the flavors. That no, it's amazing. one flavor from a TV show. I heard it. Uh, but I'm currently doing a challenge and I currently am not eating ice cream. Oh. So, but you will eat it again. Thanks a lot, Daniel. <laughs> You'll eat it again someday, right? Uh, coconut ice cream is really delicious. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the one that she just said that I didn't know existed because that's all the things that go through my I'm like, cookie oat? No, mint? No. Um, yeah, so that one. Yeah. That one. I would take white chocolate ice cream. Now I have Vanilla. to go find it. With fudge swirls. Okay. And caramel bits plus yeah. brownie bits and cookie dough. Oh, wow. I, I love frozen brownie bits and ice cream. See, I'd be a real snob and I'd say, can you actually make it gelato? <laughs> and also was were the eggs already in that milk that you froze or and the sugar or are your powers just that amazing you can sweeten frozen cream so tell us what your favorite ice cream flavor would be that this lady could make for us this the lady. snow queen could make for you comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 159 we're finished now in the podcast discussing this episode white out so continue the conversation on the forums or on the show notes and send us your theories for the next episode of once upon a time as a general guideline, put the episode title in the subject line of your email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. Special thanks to everyone who helps make this podcast possible. Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a little bit. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliescape and Aaron J moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron and Hunter and Jacqueline hosting this podcast and you being part of this great community. And we'd love to connect with you. So please follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast and each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. And remember, I'll see you in three hours for your midnight shrieking. Yes, I will. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. We really could not do this without you. And if you'd like to be one of them, then check out oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. So, episode 403, Rocky Road. 
When an icy spell is cast on Marion, which will ultimately freeze her heart and kill her, the Storybrooke residents place the blame on Elsa. But unbeknownst to anyone, a mysterious woman who runs the town's ice cream parlor has the same powers as Elsa and is trying to frame her. Emma and David find former Merriman member Will Scarlet rummaging through Robin Hood's tent. Regina teams up with Henry to try and discover who the author of the fairy tale book is. Mary Margaret is having trouble balancing her duties as leader of Storybrooke and mother to young Prince Neil. And Hook begins to suspect that Mr. Gold is still in control of the dagger that calls upon him to be the Dark One. Meanwhile, in Arendelle of the past, Elsa and Kristoff set off to stop Hans from attempting to take control of the kingdom. Sounds fun. Sounds loaded. Yes. So we do have a couple of guest stars. Really sorry if I'm going to mess these up. <laughs> Charles Rahul C. Sai? Seen? I don't know. As the general. Tyler Jacob Moore comes as Hans. Niels Hagenstad as Franz. And Marcus Rossner as Jurgen and Elizabeth Mitchell, of course, as the Snow Queen. Interesting that they are officially calling her the Snow Queen. I wondered if they were going to give her a Storybrooke name or not, but they're just calling her the Snow Queen. Yeah, and this episode is written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz and is directed by Morgan Beggs. This is the first episode for Jerome Schwartz. Uh, he came over from Wonderland. It's not too surprising that he's dealing with Will's first episode. Yeah, because he already knows how to write for the character. Right. So yeah, this will be Michael Socha's official first episode. Um, I know in the podcast, Daniel, Aaron, and Jeremy all talked about the name that keeps appearing in the credits, um, but we haven't seen him yet. This is his first official episode. Yay! Yeah, yay. It's good to see Will. But we did get the promo that came at the end of the episode. Um, yep. It wasn't really that long or anything. At least I didn't think it was. Did it show too much? Yeah, it's just teasing Elizabeth Mitchell's character. They made a big deal about how it's Elizabeth Mitchell from Lost and how she's joining the cast. Um, it does seem like we are going to be seeing a confrontation in the woods between mm -hmm. the Snow Queen and some other characters. So unlike last season where nobody knew who Zelina really was, it looks like they're going to be made aware that she's the Snow Queen very early on. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, they're I not dragging it out. Yeah, I'm glad they're not dragging that out. We did get to take a look at the Canadian promo. And of for me, what we could see. <laughs> I watched it like five times, pausing it and playing it, trying to get it all. But um, in Canada, they show a little bit more. Elsa can't remember something, and Rumpel goes, Well, what a pity. So I guess he knows something, and of course she doesn't. Yeah. Robin goes to Regina for help after Marion. Well, I read the I saw these first before I read the synopsis. She like faints or passes out. So it's just the I guess the freezing of her heart. Yeah, and the way the synopsis is worded, it almost sounds like Marion might die this episode, but I kind of doubt it. I don't think they're going to kill her this early. Yeah. If they kill her at all. Yeah, exactly. Or it's just the proper order of the way things were supposed to be and fate always has its thing. You could think of it that way too. Yeah, But the, the curse is racing towards her heart, and then the town wants to put a stop to Elsa while not knowing all the facts. Right. Well, I was going to say that what you just said about Elsa does play into the first sneak peek we got, mm -hmm. um, which we got this afternoon. 
The first one is of Mary Margaret's first mayor meeting. She calls a town meeting in Regina's old office. The fireside chat. Yes, a fireside chat. And she hands out an agenda and basically nobody wants to follow it because they all want to talk about how guilty they think Elsa is. And we see Grumpy and Granny and Archie. It's good to see Archie. And the whole Elsa, the freezing of the the walls, we're supposed to be item number four, and she has to skip over everything else. Right. That's all they want to talk about. And then they went on to item five, Elsa. Yes, and Maid Marian ends up feigning at the end of the sneak peek. So did you happen to notice if the Ice Queen was in that room? I did not see her. Yeah, I didn't see her either. So whatever she's doing, she must be doing from a, she must have already hit Marion at some other point. Yes. And then we got a couple, well, actually we got quite a few of the behind the scene photos for this episode. Yeah. A lot of them are pretty much the same thing, but just different looks at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we do have Hook in the woods with Elsa and he had something in his hand and I couldn't make out what it was. Yeah, I couldn't either. Because it was his actual hand, not his hook. His hook was the other one. Yeah. I'm going to guess this is a really behind-the-scene one. We do see Roland. I love that little kid. Yeah. He's got a walkie-talkie, and he's talking to someone. It kind of seems to me like he's taking over the role of Harry, or of Henry. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little, yeah. With the walkie-talkies and the cute little kid. And there was a mat on the floor, so I'm going to guess that's the scene where she falls to the ground. And they just always throw mats down so that the actors don't have to hurt themselves. Yeah. We do get a lot of photos of Hans and Elsa and Kristoff. And the Snow Queen who is there as well. Correct. So Elsa knows her in the past. Yes. They meet. I I wonder what happens when she'll see her in Storybrooke. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that in all those pictures, the urn is there, the one that Elsa was eventually trapped in. Yes, she was there. And um, Hans is holding a sword at Kristoff's head. So it looks like there's going to be a big fight. Yeah, I did. There was like a sword fight too. You see, yes. So, and it, there was a lot of photos, but it was pretty much we just summed it up. <laughs> the only other ones worth mentioning: um, there were a lot of Will and Emma, and Emma has a gun on him. So I think Will's going to be in trouble when they first meet. Well, isn't he always getting in trouble though? Yes, definitely. And then you said you actually saw a couple articles. Yes. Real quick, though, before we go on to that, there was a second sneak peek that came out probably about two hours ago. Oh, that's right. I did watch it. I don't know if everyone saw it. It's in the past. It's in Arendelle, and it's between Elsa and Kristoff, and they're talking about Anna. Elsa still wants to go after Anna and find her, and Kristoff is telling her, of course, that she can't because she's the queen, she has to stay and rule her people, and that he will stop her if need be. Yes. So, a little bit of a tiff, but they look like they have a good relationship. A little bit. Yeah. Well, towards the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, it looked, well, we only saw him briefly, but it looked like they had a pretty good relationship, so. Yep, and that's really it for episode 403. We didn't have a lot of news this week. Yeah, we do have these two articles, though, that you just mentioned. So the first one comes from EW Online, and it's about Elizabeth Mitchell's character, the Snow Queen. She has her sights on Emma for something specific. And there's a lot of theories going around that somehow the Snow Queen is one of Emma's adoptive parents, 
or her foster mother from when Emma was like a really little girl. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting theory. And then the Snow Queen and Snow White are also going to have some sort of connection. Yay! Yeah. And then the final article was from TV Line, and it was about Will, and that he is really going to anger a lot of people, and he will eventually be locked up in jail. <laughs> of <Yes>. course. <laughs> yeah. And that he, uh, his relationship with Captain Hook is going to be very complicated. Well, aren't they always complicated? Yes. Nothing on this show <laughs> is simple, of course. Of course. Well... I guess that's about it for this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers. Oh.